Welcome to the second episode of the Teachers of Europe podcast. This is a podcast to support teachers across Europe in addressing common classroom challenges and featuring teachers that can inspire others to follow their footsteps. My name is Benjamin Hertz and I'm your host for this episode. I used to work as a teacher myself, a history teacher, and now I work as a pedagogical manager for the European School Education Platform. Our topic for this episode is artificial intelligence in schools or AI in schools. And I'm really excited to talk about this topic today with two fellow teachers, Lydia Kralj from Croatia and Ricardo Cavallo from Portugal. Welcome to both of you and thanks for joining today. Hello, Ben. Thank you for the invitation. Hello, Ben. Hello, Lydia. Thank you so much for, for inviting me. Great. Many thanks both. Now, the topic we are going to discuss, I think, is super relevant right now, because only a few weeks ago, we've seen um, a new tool being released called ChatGPD, and it's gotten a lot of attention uh, on social media, also in the mainstream media, with thousands of examples being shared about how this tool could be potentially used to revolutionize our everyday work. And there were also a lot of teachers uh, discussing how this tool could change the way they work, but also how their students would work. Now, of course, even before this hype about ChatGPT, um, we've seen AI tools already being used in schools. And a lot of thinking has gone, in fact, into how these tools can be used in an effective and ethical way in education and classroom contexts. So I'm very glad to have with us here today one teacher who has done exactly that. Lydia Kralj, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today because you were part of the group of experts who recently advised the European Commission about its new ethical guidelines for educators on the use of AI. So Lydia, can you tell us a bit more about yourself? You used to be a classroom teacher, I think, for many years. So how did you end up advising the European Commission on such a complex but fascinating topic? Uh, thank you, Ben, for your kind words. Uh, I would say that the words that define me the best are curiosity and continuous learning. As you said, I was teaching mathematics and computer science for 26 years uh, in primary and secondary schools and then continued on the university level. Uh, then I worked uh, in the government implementing comprehensive curricular reform in all Croatian schools. But uh, topic of the AI is with me, I would say, for, for many years because I was working with the computers from early 80s. And then uh, I more intensively start to work on it uh, when I wrote a report about artificial intelligence role in K-12 education as part of agile information collection of European Schoolnet and been uh, selected as an expert for European Commission expert group on AI and data in education as you already uh, mentioned, and we worked really hard for uh, more than a year to create those guidelines. I would like to build up on your one of your sentences, Ben, as well, uh, agreeing that teaching experience combined with different other uh, experience uh, really is a piece that defined me and really helped in my uh, actual work. Excellent. Great. And that's why we have you here on this podcast today. This is a podcast about teachers. And even though you don't work in the classroom right now anymore, I think, as you said yourself, you still very much uh, base your work on that experience of standing in the classroom. So many thanks, Lydia. Looking forward to hearing more about your work on those ethical guidelines a bit later. Now, our second guest today is um, still standing in the classroom every day, I believe. Yeah. He's been doing it for, I think, many, many years. Ricardo, um, it's a real pleasure to have you here today with us. Um, 
if I'm right, I think you are known amongst your colleagues a bit as a tinkerer, someone who is always at the forefront of innovation. And that, of course, also includes working with AI in the classroom. Can you tell us a bit more about yourself and in particular how you ended up using AI tools in your work with the students? Uh, thank you so much, Ben. Uh, I am still a teacher in the classroom. I, I've been a teacher since uh, 2006, but uh, I'm now also a, a PhD student at the Multimedia in Education doctoral program at the University of Aveiro. I have my master's degree in computer science teaching that I got at the University of Minho. And since uh, 2012, I've been teaching other teachers uh, through the, the National uh, Computer Science Association, other teachers to use technological tools as, as a motivator to learn um, skills uh, from, from students. I always try to, to find uh, new technologies and how we can integrate it in the in educational practices. Artificial intelligence came to me as I was searching uh, for new activities to do with the, with the students. We were teaching Scratch uh, to teach younger students how to, to think like a programmer. I, I came about, uh, I don't know if you know about Dale Lane Machine Learning for Kids. At the time I found this and I, and I saw that they had uh, excellent examples that I could use to teach programming. And I thought at the time, because this was done a while back, it would be uh, very important to teach the, the, these young uh, kids to know what was behind it. So this is uh, this first uh, contact with AI uh, came from teaching the students how to teach the machine. Uh, as you know, it's, it's called uh, machine learning. And then I started a course for teachers that uh, is online. It's, it's for all Portuguese teachers and it's, it's in its fifth edition. Uh, where I teach many tools uh, of how they can show the, the students on how to use this technology. Uh, first, to teach them uh, about the importance of, of AI and how can they use it as a, a, an incentive, but also the, the coding part as I am a computer science teacher. Great. Many thanks, Ricardo. And it's fantastic that you also bring that teacher training experience here into the picture because one of the topics I'd like to talk about a bit later is about how we can really make sure that teachers are effectively supported in um, well using uh, making effective and ethical use of artificial intelligence. So let's pick that up later. Let's stay with you, Ricardo, for for the first question that I'd like to um, tackle. And I just have to start uh, with ChatGPT because really it is everyone seems to be talking about it at the moment on the internet. Now, for those listeners who are not yet familiar with the tool, it's a prototype artificial intelligence chatbot. Uh, it's developed by a company called OpenAI. Um, and it really specializes on natural dialogue. So you can really engage in quite naturally sounding conversations in writing, of course, but with this with this chatbot. Now, currently it's still free for use as part of a research preview. So if you haven't had a chance to try it out, I really recommend you to, to give it a try. Um, just Google search for ChatGPT and you'll get to the relevant pages. I think it's really important that uh, regardless of what we think and what we make of AI, it's really important that we get to grips with what these tools ca can do and cannot do. And um, yeah, really understand what we're talking about here. So if you're not familiar with it after the podcast, make sure to check it out. Now, 
One of the th reasons I think it's been getting so much attention um, lately is because it's very powerful at generating different types of content. For example, I can ask it to write an essay on a specific topic. So if I, as a teacher, give my students some homework essay to write, then, um, well, this uh, AI tool can actually write that essay for me. I can also ask it to generate code or analyze my code. Again, it does that extremely well. And then, and this is something I recently did, and I thought it worked out surprisingly well. I asked it to prepare a lesson plan on the topic of the Black Panthers. This is a topic I used to teach. And again, it did that really well. I then followed up with uh, asking it to come up with specific uh, discussion questions to raise in that lesson. And then with some collaborative small group activities. And it gives you really interesting, not always perfect or very creative answers, but it gives you really interesting um, ideas to work with there. The question is, however, well, what does this mean for education? What does this mean for how we work with our students? Um, what does this mean for the role of the teacher? So, but before we tackle those questions, uh, I just quickly want to ask you, Ricardo, uh, I assume you've tried it out and uh, what course, type of things um, have you been doing with it? Uh, so I already tried that part of trying to generate content, like uh, I tried a, a little coding game uh, to see how would it work. But as you said, it has its, its limitations. But the sense I got is, is like uh, Sam Altman, the, the CEO at OpenAI said, uh, he said that ChatGPT is incredibly, incredibly limited, but good enough at some times to create a misleading impression of greatness. And that's uh, what it gave to me because I felt like I had some power, but I have I have also tried with students and I have a story uh, that is recent and it, it, it's making me think a lot about it. The other day, my, my 10th grade students were doing uh, research uh, for um, an essay. They were meant to, to write about Cossacks in Russia. I don't know why I didn't ask them. They didn't have their computer with them and they asked me on the classroom if, I, if they could do that. And what did I see them do? I saw them go to Wikipedia uh, and copy paste uh, whatever is there. And I said to them, uh, do you know you can have a tool that can aid you to, to do this? And I showed them, they were really amazed. Uh, but then when I, I gave it to them, the tool, what did I realize? They didn't know what questions to ask. For, for a little while they tried, but then they went back to the Wikipedia. This, this is funny to me because this, I think in my view, this is my own view, this shows a little bit how our, uh, our teaching system is. So the, the, the students just go get information, they copy paste it, uh, and they present the, the, the essay and they forget about it. What happens when they start asking questions? And, and I thought, I saw this, uh, besides the limitations it has, couldn't make the students ask questions instead of just searching for the answers and copy pastes. So I'm seeing here a tool that I, I will be able to use, I think, with my students to make them ask them the, uh, the questions. I also think that um, this might look like it's a cheating um, uh, tool now, but if we if we use it right in the classroom, it can become much more. Because uh, if I, I try to make the students think about what they want the outcome to be, it it feels a lot like I'm I'm also teaching them uh, computational thinking, like they like coding, like programmers. Many thanks, Ricardo. I I love that story. I mean, I think um, teaching our students how 
to use these tools effectively is simply preparing them for the future, right? Because I mean, these tools will be there out there and asking and being able to ask the right questions to these tools to get to the right outcome that you desire. I think that's uh, something we can't take for granted. And I've seen it myself when playing with the tool that I really need to tweak uh, my questions or the prompts I give to the tool and get very different results. Um, yeah, what you are saying it's it's also very important because uh, usually when people see the the final result because people share it on online that is the result of a lot of tinkering. They 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 think the, that just appeared by miracle with just one prompt. But no, people try and try again and try to see how it thinks right uh, to to get to that uh, result that perfect result we are searching. It's not magical. It does not always get, uh, we do not always get the answer we want right away. Well, interesting uh, story that you've already been telling us about ChatGPT being used in the classroom and interesting to see how that further develops. Um, Lydia, can I come to you now and uh, I'd like to hear from you. What's your take on this? Do you agree with Ricardo? Ricardo seems to be quite hopeful, optimistic about uh, the potential of this tool, but isn't there also a danger that it will undermine our work as teachers and in particular what we usually value in education? How do you see this? Uh, well, it was very interesting for me to listen to you both, how you are impressed with the chat GPT. I'm also impressed, but maybe a cautious a little bit more. I tested with a different approach because I'm a mathematics teacher and I'm in Croatia, which is a small country. So I tested the Croatian language and it worked very well, actually. Excellent with some minor uh, errors uh, in grammar. So I had very nice, but a meaningful conversation, tinkering the task as uh, Ricardo mentioned, uh, having some arguments from the chat GPT and from my side and some description of the work when he or she uh, was solving some mathematical tasks. So yes, quite powerful tool, but I also see and hear online uh, a lot of noise about, yes, we have to block it, we have to forbid use of it. Uh, and, and similar comments, as you mentioned then as well. I would like to uh, bring our listeners back uh, to the past. Remember when first calculators were introduced in the school, you know, how math teachers typically react? Yeah, it doesn't allow that. People won't learn how to multiply, how to subtract. Or when a different web search tool started, yeah, no, this is this is wrong. This is useless for education. It will bring a lot of damage. And today's calculators, web search is quite a normal thing, and we no longer uh, think about it as a danger. We think about it as a tool. So blocking is practically useless. I would agree what Ricardo says. Yes, use it, but learn how to use it smartly how to make it a tool for learning, but also learn how to critically assess results and uh, the models uh, of the views, for example, of chat, GPT or any uh, similar AI tools. But what also I would like to see some ethical models built in by design, some cyberbullying prevention, some prevention of a hate speech, some disinformation filters, so embedded from the beginning uh, by design, because any of these two could become a strong tool for discrimination, for spreading hate, for enforcing prejudice, for enforcing biases. 
what we learned with the social networks is this when it bursts, it's too late to patch all those holes. So let's see if ChatGPT or any other AI use will have that built in uh, from the start. Uh, regarding the open AI, it's a private company. So um, ChatGPT is not open source too. So let's see if it will remain free. What will the conditions for future years? It's ahead of us, definitely. Great, Lydia. And I mean, I think you're you're foreshadowing there a lot of other themes that hopefully we'll pick up later today uh, when we talk about um, some of the challenges and, uh, and concerns that need to be associated with the use of these tools. I, I do want to stay on this topic, though, briefly still, because um, uh, some of the things you mentioned, you mentioned the calculator and, and web browser search. And OK, these are seen now as... Um, very useful and everyday tools that we also use in education. But nevertheless, the, the model of education, the way we organize um, assessment, for example, that hasn't fundamentally changed really, despite all these new tools, despite all these new capabilities that we have at our hands. So I'm wondering, will we see in the coming years this kind of shift away from traditional assessment methods, like writing an essay uh, in an exam, because the the rise of these new AI tools, because now finally there is that moment where we've gone over the precipice uh, and there's a push for real fundamental reform in regards to how we organize uh, schooling, how we can organize education, or is that being too optimistic and, and maybe even <clears throat> completely unrealistic? Um, What's your view on that? Maybe, Lydia, we can follow with you first and then see what Ricardo says. Definitely would like to see uh, that that change in our education, because when you look at the uh, education system, it doesn't significantly change in the past 100 years. So quite disappointing. <laughs> uh, besides all digital technology, besides the pandemic, besides all other shifts, as you said, the way we assess learning is pretty much the same uh, all the time. So moving away from the facts, moving away from the things that you could find by searching, uh, moving away with the things that you have to put in your brain and, and learn it by heart uh, could make uh, assessment more meaningful, but also make assessment part of a regular teaching learning process not just force exams at the end of the school year, not just force just summative uh, high stake uh, exams as we all tend, tend towards that. So um, I wouldn't be afraid of AI uh, as a tool, but I would like to have more human content and new uh, human agents as a part of the assessment uh, in education. So fingers crossed, let's see if this brings definitely that push uh, and change in the assessment process in education. Ricardo? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you uh, completely, Lydia. Uh, I think this this might be, and I say uh, I'm a little bit pessimistic at, at this point, uh, because this should be the thing that drives drives us to change the way we teach and, and access learning. This this will going go, AI is going to continue to advance and it will be more powerful. And, and if we don't take part of this revolution, because I think this is the, uh, it's not just me that, that thinks this, people say this is a new revolution and that it cannot be stopped because once once a, a revolution starts, uh, it's quite impossible to to stop it. So we have to adapt, like you said, the, the, um, 
the the guidelines the ethical guidelines must be there and and this is is something i i i've been seeing since the the first contact with ai i see that there is this preoccupation or this this caring for ethical guidelines and actually i think even the training behind ai is is considering that uh, and if, if if we look at education uh, we still see them like you said like 100 100 years ago uh, they still are in class like they are in a factory because things were done according to the the, the industrial revolution and it's it's still going on like that I hope, like you, Lydia, that this this could push us to change. But I, I I do not believe it. I think schools will just stay the same because mainly uh, the society, and this is my own opinion, uh, sees us as as babysitters almost. So we we just need to have the children at school to take care of them while parents go and work. But if this continues to change, as uh, we all think it's going to change, and people will be, have more free time uh, due to AI, I think this will have to change. And it's it's a very complicating, uh, complicated question. I cannot see the future. We, we see some hints of it here and there. Uh, it's hard to say how it's going to be. But I'm uh, hopefully hopeful uh, for AI. But I'm pessimistic, uh, at least for our educational system. Okay, thanks, Ricardo and Lydia. I, I want to pick up something that you just said, Ricardo, um, that these tools give us more free time. And personally, I found that um, quite impressive how uh, in ChatGPT in particular, but there are other AI tools, of course, out there that can do this, can help me in my as a, as a role of a teacher in preparing for lessons or maybe marking a student's work. And I f feel that, you know, as a teacher, I, uh, I spent a lot, a lot of time on lesson preparation, on marking students' work, while I actually enjoyed and wanted to spend more time directly with the students. So I really see potential there. Lydia, I, I want to um, come back to these guidelines that you worked on for the European Commissions. And I believe as part of your work there, you explored different scenarios for artificial intelligence use in schools. Can you explain a bit about the different ways AI tools are already being used in schools? Yes, AI tools uh, are used in school, but uh, not as broad as we could expect or as broad as it mentioned in media, because there are a lot of digital technology in schools which doesn't have AI in the background. Uh, but we, what we usually don't pay attention is what is going on in the background. For example, we are using some quiz tool to grade uh, the answer and uh, the tool decide who, the, who are the winners. But do we know what's the algorithm behind? So what this computer program does in the background and what data from students they accumulate and for uh, what purpose? Uh, going back to the to the guidelines. So in guidelines, we mentioned four categories uh, of the AI use, student teaching, uh, student supporting, teacher supporting, and system supporting. Some of them, uh, Ben, you already mentioned, but I'm not sure I will be happy if you go back to the classroom just with the preparation of the lesson that ChatGPT created for you. But I would think you could critically assess that lesson plan and use it for absolutely no no it always still needs more work that's for sure but as a cue as a as a yeah as a first start it's it's interesting anyway yes, sorry yes, definitely so this is one of the uh, way that uh, ai could be used so ai as a teaching assistant and ai as a tool uh, which could recommend uh, to the teacher some pedagogical uh, resources 
used in specific uh, lesson. Some other maybe uh, examples that you uh, or Ricardo already mentioned uh, using for the assessment. So automation of the process, giving uh, instant feedback uh, to the students, personalization of, of learning using some adaptive learning technologies, but also putting the learning process in the heads uh, of the students, so giving them the power to self-regulate their own learning. There I see a big potential and fingers crossed it will happen uh, in the near future. Uh, there is also examples of the use uh, in the administration parts, for example, about the uh, student enrollment, um, then monitoring students' behavior, uh, watch out for the potential dropout, monitoring their uh, efficacy, but also uh, administration of the teachers and the resources regarding the, the bigger need in time uh, of the school year. Just as a few examples, but I believe Ricardo will uh, mention some of their, uh, his own. Yeah, thanks a lot, Lydia. And um, But really important to understand, of course, that there are these different levels where AI can be used in a school setting. Um, so yeah, let's indeed uh, hear from Ricardo. Um, I'm curious, Ricardo, what experience do you have with these kind of, um, well, uh, Lydia mentioned student teaching, student mm -hmm. supporting or teacher supporting AI systems. Have you made use of um, these type of uh, tools or I, these type of actually, scenarios? I, I, I was listening to you and I was thinking, I should use this more to my advantage and not just the students. So I'm realizing that I'm using, uh, always thinking of the students, but if I use them to my advantage, like you were saying, to give um, quick feedback, because feedback is, is very important for, for students to have it right away. And I, I can help with this. So I've been using uh, AI to help them create and and to to motivate them to to research about things usually uh, students have to learn about famous scientists so uh, one teacher said we could try and and make uh, uh, famous uh, scientists uh, and on and how would they look today so i thought wait this this is perfect for ai now we have tools that will allow students to do this the project is that the the students uh, go and research these scientists what have they done and then they they have to come out with a prompt as you know to use an ar generator and this uh, gets them to make the research and then as they are trying to type off what they want uh, they are also developing uh, other skills because they are uh, they are learning how to first they are learning english uh, but as we are in Portugal, first they go to a translator. So they are learning to, they, they learn to express themselves first uh, to the AI so they can ask what they need. So they just have to, to write on the prompt or from what they have learned, what the scientist is famous for. And that also helps. That's something we also noticed while, while doing the, this AI project. And when they see the, the final outcome uh, becomes real, and this is uh, this shows that it's also inclusive because every student, even without the, the, the art capabilities of drawing and digital creating uh, uh, something, they, through research and, and, and trying to express themselves, they get a result that uh, is spectacular. Uh, if you if you see it visually for students of that age, I'm doing with, uh, as I said, with eighth graders and ninth graders, it's amazing for them. So we get the motivating factor so they can develop all the other skills that I mentioned. So I think this this, this kind of project, it, it's really important of how we can use AI to 
to to our students' advantage. I I think if if we we, we look at it as as Lydia and you Ben said as a, a supporting tool, and and Lydia mentioned the the calculators. Maybe we can start even to require more from our students because now they have a tool that supports them supports. Um, them getting faster to the final result we we can challenge them more this is what i believe that this this can also bring to the table and i think it's it's very important for the the teaching learning process yeah lydia maybe do you have any response to that do you want to react to that um i definitely agree uh, following the ricardo's arguments the, uh, students have a more powerful tool so they could dedicate the time to some other uh, tasks so yes, put more challenging tasks to them, guide them to the products, to the projects they could produce with the support of the technology. Can I ask now, um, I mean, Ricardo, I think the application that you describe is um, quite advanced um, and probably for teachers who are for now a bit skeptical about the use of AI in their teaching and learning. They might be a bit hesitant about this kind of application. Would you agree with that? Um, and um, if yes, how would you, uh, what yes. would you tell teachers who are a bit skeptical about? I've actually deal with that. So when I first tried to explain uh, that there is this tool that we can use uh, with the support of uh, AI, I usually get uh, blank stares. <laughs> People are not understanding what I'm saying. and But as soon as I show them, because I do it right there, uh, a little example that that uh, is nothing uh, compared to what students get when they do the research. Uh, people always get amazed at the final result. And people, after seeing how it is, they say, well, this is so, so easy. But when, when they try, they see that there is more behind it. Great. Can I um, now come back to you, Lydia? Because I know that as part of the work on the guidelines, you've also focused on misconceptions, some common misconceptions that exist um, about the use of AI in schools. I come back to the question I originally asked Ricardo. What would you tell teachers who are a bit skeptical, who might have these type of misconceptions in their mind uh, in regards to AI use in schools? I agree with Ricardo. We will see more skepticism uh, from our colleagues than from uh, our students, definitely. Uh, but as for any other technology, it's completely okay to be skeptical uh, with the AI as well. What I would say that the more important thing is not to be afraid of new developments uh, and changes. And of course, assure teachers that uh, don't worry, AI is not going to replace teachers uh, yet. Um, I would like to point or put a focus on the ethics uh, of AI. So when uh, we talk about the use of AI in education, it's not only about how we use technology, but it's also about why and for what reason we use uh, AI and data to support teaching, uh, learning or assessment. So we heard uh, several examples and there is a great potential that AI could be a transformative tool uh, for education. All of us mentioned it several times uh, today, but to see that uh, transformation happens in education, we have to have in mind broader social changes, uh, social needs, but also the future of uh, education and learning. Uh, I would say to my fellow teachers, definitely, yes, uh, use uh, AI-supported education technology where it makes sense uh, in your teaching and students' learning. So try 
see where it fits, see where it helps, but also don't use it when it's annoying or maybe when it's replicating bad pedagogical practices. So pedagogy is something we have to have in mind all the time, not just get puzzled and not just get lead just by the technology and the tools uh, which are uh, at our hands, but why we are using it as a part of the teaching and learning. Lydia, can I pick up on, on these ethical issues that you've raised there? Um, because, of course, that's a core part of the guidelines that you've worked on with the European Commission. So can you just briefly outline what actually are the ethical issues that teachers should be aware of when making of use of AI tools more generally? And can you maybe, as part of your answer, give some concrete examples of what can happen if these issues are not sufficiently considered? Uh, thank you for this question, Ben. Uh, of course, what we already know about AI that its implementation in education is very complex. Use of AI impact impact of uh, AI technologies on learning outcomes and teaching and learning process is not yet proven. So it doesn't have uh, any results uh, in a large scale uh, empirical evidence. So we have to be some uh, caution in in that process. What we also know is that participation from different stakeholders, parents, students, teachers, ad tech, uh, government, could help to improve that process and make it ethically uh, better. What we also pointed out in the guidelines is amount of data that is used in different AI systems, not just in education, but in any AI system. So we had huge amount of data that is used to train AI system. So there could lie the problem with automation of algorithms, scalability, what kind of personal data is used, how students' personal data is protected, how their privacy is protected. Is uh, student data is used for the training purposes of the AI tools or is just used as a as a way of implementation that uh, specific AI tools in specific classroom with specific uh, students. What we already know is that AI uh, use can result in a new forms of inequalities, discrimination, and could exaggerate existing uh, ones. But also, there is a great potential to improve access uh, and inclusion. I don't know, Ben, uh, if you would like me to to mention some specific question uh, from the guidelines that we prepared for the teachers so they could lead them in the assessing. Yes, absolutely. That would have been my next question. Um, How can the guidelines exactly help teachers to navigate these issues? So please go ahead. Guidelines about ethical use of AI and data in education have some practical question, dedicated areas, categories that could help teachers but also uh, school leaders, parents, students, government, to lead them in the process of assessing uh, the technology that uh, they could use in the classroom. So we have uh, seven categories. Uh, Let's mention just some of them if I have time. So human agency and oversight. Is the teacher role clearly defined so as to ensure that there is a teacher in the loop while the AI system is being used? How does the AI system affect the didactical role of the teachers? From the area of transparency, are the instructions and information accessible and presented in a way that is clear both for teachers and learners? Do teachers and school leaders understand how specific assessment or personalization algorithm work uh, within the uh, AI system? 
uh, in the area of diversity, not discrimination. Does the system provide appropriate interaction models for learners with disabilities or special education needs? Are there procedures in place to ensure that AI use will not lead to discrimination or unfair behavior for all users? From the area of the well-being, uh, how does the AI system affect the social and emotional well-being of learners and teachers? Does use of the system create any harm or fear for individuals uh, or for society? That I could just briefly jump back to chat GPT. So when you have such a powerful tool, are students aware that they are talking to the machine and not to the human being? And just a few few uh, questions uh, more um, from the area of data. Is it possible to customize the privacy and data settings and uh, accountability? How is the effectiveness and the impact of the AI system being evaluated? And how does this evaluation consider key values of education? I know that this sounds very complex, but this is the beginning. This is the first guidelines of that kind. And I'm happy that we have such a practical questions and that will, I hope, help us in the next few years. I, I must say, I found these guidelines excellent exactly for the reason that you've just mentioned, these very practical questions that teachers need to consider and can consider. It is, of course, sometimes a tall order to expect the teachers to find answers to these questions. Uh, and, and maybe that's not always uh, even needed, but at least to create awareness for the teachers or for the students as part of their work of using some of these tools. Because questions like, does this AI system create harm or fear in society? I mean, that's a, that's a big question, of course, that for me as a teacher, is quite difficult to answer. But to engage your students about these questions, to reflect um, and discuss with your students about these questions, I think you know that's that's where the power really lies and where the purpose, I guess, also of these um, guidelines lies. Would you agree with that? I'm glad to agree. You didn't see me nodding <laughs> to your comments. Yes, very complex, but to discuss it, to raise awareness is a step where we have to be right. Great, excellent. Many thanks, Lydia. I think really important elements that we're picking up there. I want to dig a bit deeper regarding the practicalities of uh, using tools in the classroom. So I think uh, these questions that are in the guidelines and that Lydia has identified a couple of examples of are a really good starting point for teachers to to consider decisions about which tools can I use, how can I use them. But at a very, very practical level, once you've decided on using a certain tool, Ricardo, what advice would you give to your fellow teachers who are starting to make use of a certain tool in their day-to-day -day activities? And, and think about it from a pedagogical, but also a very practical perspective based on your own experience, of course. First of all, um, get to know uh, the the tool that you are using uh, don't don't make assumptions about it uh, this is what i see a lot going around try to to as a teacher see where you can actually gain from using this with your students but i also use the the that first project i used with the with the younger students uh, about the um, the teacher teaching with machine learning as i was teaching them about uh, teaching the machine we were trying to build a, a a chatbot the the students would write an insult uh, or something good 
uh, and it would react according to that. And while we were training them, uh, uh, what happened? I saw that the the list of offenses was really huge compared to the to the list of of nice things to say to the to the to the machine. We took a while. We took a break to discuss this, and this this is. I'm not even comparing what Lydia said to the um, the ethical guidelines, uh, but as a teacher, I can also take the little things that it gives us and take it in a way that students can discuss it and think about why the the, the offenses list was 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 going to be larger than the one about night things. The the conclusion that the students got to, uh, and we all got to, is that it was funnier. So that's not bad. So I got to see that the, the students were, were not ill-intended. They, they were just having fun, and that is good for me as a teacher. This to say that uh, we can take some, some responsibility while teaching them and also be part of that process, even with, uh, with a little, uh, even it's, if it's of little significance, we can try and be that part of the process of students understanding what they are dealing with. And uh, once they understand, they can be part the, of the the system and try themselves to to better the system, to be more ethical, and think about all of this when they are using it. This is what happened when I, when I work with my students, and uh, these little things are good examples of uh, how this can be important to to use. So teachers should just uh, see all the scenarios that can that can develop from using that tool. Uh, of course, sometimes it's going to be it's not going to work out, but at least we'll give them the teachers and the students something to think about, and then they 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 can they can act on it and, and be part of the solution and not the problem. This is what I believe. Great. So effectively developing the metacognition about a tool. So reflecting about how we're making use of this tool, what what this tool is doing and the impact of this tool on, on our own activities. So that as a starting point for, for starting to use AI tools in the classroom. Interesting point, Ricardo. Many thanks. Now, I just quickly want to, before we close, still talk about the kind of support that teachers need. I mean, well, we've all been teachers or still are teachers, and it's an extremely challenging job. It's uh, time consuming, it's mentally demanding. With all these developments, technology related or other social and economic developments that are out there, the job is definitely not becoming easier. So if we want to make sure that teachers feel ready for this new reality where AI, AI tools are being used in the different ways that we've been talking about today, what kind of support do they most urgently need right now? I mean, the guidelines, they're an excellent starting point, but I think undoubtedly it's not enough. So my question, let's start with you, Ricardo, especially because you've, you've worked as a teacher trainer on this topic. Yeah. Um, what type of support do teachers need right now to address some of these very complex questions around AI? Uh, usually uh, when we, we train the teachers, uh, they always complain about what you just said, the, the lack of time, uh, because they do spend a lot in, in, in Portugal. It's, it's ridiculous. The, the amount of bureaucracy that we have in school, it's, it's really ridiculous. If, if I could show you, <laughs> if we could show the world, people would be amazed. Time, time is of the essence. So what we try uh, while we're, we're building our, our teacher training uh, sessions, in this case with AI, uh, we try to show practical cases. And uh, the first uh, practical cases are about the training of the machine. Uh, by doing this, teachers get to know 
how it works because they are training him. They they see when it fails, how it fails, and uh, they try and see how it can give us the answers uh, that we are looking for. Uh, and it has human validation. At least the tools we use in our in our teacher training course have a human validation part. So they are training, but they are also validating. And there are a lot of tools that uh, that people can use. I'll, I'll give one for instance. Then you can put also in the show notes. Uh, you have Teachable Machine from Google, which is a, a a great example for how this works. And it's very, very simple to use. It's one of my favorite tools to show the teachers. They can even uh, organize some classes around it. And then if they want, if they are they are computer science teachers like me, they can use the code to later uh, manipulate what they want to, to take out of it. Having this said, uh, teachers uh, uh, really want something that they can learn fast uh, and implement. So we are starting by, by there, the, the part that, that shows the teacher how it all works, how machines are trained, uh, and how can they, they use them with their students. We gave some some pedagogical examples. And uh, then we, we have the discussion in the, the, the final works where they show. And the ideas that came out of it are really great to see. That's my, my favorite part uh, of those teacher training courses is see what other teachers come up with from the seed we gave them. This is uh, the first thing. Try to to show practical examples to teachers so they can see how to use it. And the majority of teachers always come up with with uh, amazing results and think about something we, we we while we're designing the course didn't even think about they could use it uh, in a pedagogical way. Uh, so I think this is it. Uh, try. Uh, try and give them the tools, but also give them little practical examples where they can stem from the idea and then uh, get their own ideas and and use them. And then the feedback they give uh, is amazing. I don't know if this is what Great, you wanted, Ben, uh, if there's something more. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Very clear. I mean, teacher training, practical examples, understanding of how the tools work. I think that gives clear pointers. Uh, Lydia, does, does this resonate with you? I mean, what is it in your mind that teachers can do themselves right now to address this? When I mention all those questions we have in ethical guidelines, they are not addressed to teachers. So teachers are not the only one who uh, should find the answers. It's all also rely on uh, school leaders, on the counties, on the government. So all those who are responsible for the technology that are used uh, in education in uh, specific schools. The learning about the technology AI technology in this case in the schools is uh, one of uh, incremental process of continuous uh, testing and learning. But we also should uh, think about these ethical things even before we start using some of those tools. If tools are not properly designed or not properly used, uh, it could lead to harmful uh, consequences. Uh, in the ethical guidelines, uh, you will find uh, several examples analyzed with specific questions. It is not uh, only for teachers, those questions. It's for all uh, professionals in the education system, but also for parents and for the students to be aware and to ask questions whether artificial intelligence systems which are using are reliable, fair, safe and uh, trustworthy. Training, uh, supporting teachers uh, in understanding the possibilities, the risk of, of the AI, uh, not only learning about how AI works, uh, 
uh, in some hypothetical uh, system. But also, I would say that teachers, it would be good that they follow uh, such initiative, as Ricardo mentioned, uh, be curious, try things, see which are the benefits, uh, which are the risks. And I would definitely uh, <laughs> tell them, please read ethical guidelines. They are now available in all uh, European Union uh, languages and keep asking questions. I know that uh, European Digital Education Hub will have uh, several activities and trainings connected with AI and education in 2023. So invitation for all, get involved, join the community, ask questions and keep learning. Many thanks, Lydia. I think that's a really nice closing statement there um, because we have come to the end of uh, this podcast episode and this uh, really uh, interesting conversation. It's a very complex uh, but highly fascinating topic that I think really deserves a lot more discussion than than we've had time for here. But maybe um, we'll have another opportunity in an upcoming episode to pick it up again and to continue some of these elements that have been brought up. And I think, you know, to follow on what you said, Lydia, indeed, also on the European School Education Platform, next year's annual theme is education and innovation and the use of AI is going to to be a big part of that. In 2023, we will have um, several different uh, professional development activities, articles, blog posts, uh, potentially another podcast episode where we explore some of these um, topics again. So keep an eye out for what's coming up on the European School Education Platform. And yeah, keep asking questions, engage with your peers. That's where our professional development activities are, I think, are really powerful at getting people together to talk about a certain topic. So make sure you're making use of these. Yeah, and continue the discussion that we've only gotten started here in this episode. So a huge thank you to our two guests today, Lydia Ricardo. It was great fun and a real pleasure having you on this podcast and hearing you uh, about talk about a topic that uh, clearly is close to your heart. And yeah, I'm really sure that uh, many of your insights were useful and will be useful for teachers out there um, who are contemplate, contemplating about getting started with AI. And well, I'm going to definitely also continue playing around with AI tools, even though I'm not in the classroom directly myself anymore. It's uh, definitely exciting and fun to see how things are developing. Thanks to both of you. All the best. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.